Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Paul Field. Evening, fellas. As we take a look through the last week or so in film um, and do some other stuff as well. We've got Triple Bill coming up this week. Return to that. Um, We'll explain that a bit later, uh, what we've been watching, news. And we'll start with a quiz. I'm winning 2-1, Owen. Yeah, after Brooklyn and Paul sort of battered me last week. Are you feeling tense? Only because I don't want to watch whatever film it is that you have lined up uh, no, for me. No, you don't. <laughs> but anyway, the quiz this week has got a theme of it, of movie remakes. And you'll see why when we come on to the news later. Well, I'll give it away now. There's a Ghostbusters trailer out for a new Ghostbusters film. So I thought, right, how can I link the quiz to this week's podcast? There we go. It's done. So I'm going to name two films. And I'm going off a article on Den of Geek's website as... 107 movie remakes that are in the pipeline or been planned. There are various stages of planning. Who knows if they'll come off, but they are being planned Mm -hmm. or considered. Uh, I'm going to name two films. One of them will have a remake or reboot planned. The other won't. You have to tell me which one you think has. Okay. Make sense? Yep, I've got it. Understood, Paul? Correct. Yep, got it. Correct. Well done. That's not a point each, though, for you both understanding. (laughs) The first two films, then. Which of these is having a remake considered? Ace Ventura or The Mask? Mm. I think The Mask. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with The Mask as well. You're both wrong. Ugh. It's a great start. <laughs> yep. We're going to go to first of three on this quiz. But anyway, uh, you're both wrong. It is Ace Ventura. A remake of Ace Ventura. Yes, remake or reboot, I'm not quite sure. It does seem like it, from what's been said so far, it would not involve... um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, that's the man. I personally don't like the sound of a remake of that, but... It just doesn't make any sense. Why, for a start? How desperate are they? It's just ridiculous. The next one, then, is either Ben-Hur or Spartacus. Ben-Hur. Oh, I'm going to go Spartacus. Paul, you've lost the lead there. Well, you didn't have a lead to lose. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, you've gone one nil down. You've gone one nil down, Paul. Okay. Ooh. Next up, it, the Stephen King adaptation, or another Stephen King adaptation, The Mist. Oh, I'm going to go for The Mist. It's it. Owen is correct. <laughs> it is it. Paul is wrong. For a change. Not, yes, it's not The Mist, which has a fantastic ending. The rest, yes. of, the, the rest of the film isn't that great, but the ending's just brilliant. I, I quite like that film. I think it's a really good sort of, um, uh, like a monster movie. You don't really get proper monster movies like that these days. The book is, the, well, the novella or whatever it's supposed to be um, considered is also really good. But the book uh, has a slightly different ending to the film. The film is just really bleak, but hilariously bleak. And next up then... Uh, Sister Act or Nuns on the Run? Sister Act. <laughs> oh, I'll go Nuns on the Run. Uh, Paul, Paul's correct there. It is Sister Act and not Nuns on the Run. <laughs> uh, when I saw uh, Sister Act, I kind of had to go for another nun-related film. And there aren't many. Yeah. Uh, short Circuit <laughs> or Batteries Not Included? Short Circuit. Yeah, Short Circuit. Uh, you're both right, which means Owen wins there 3-2 meaning the the quiz is tied up at two apiece now. Sorry, Steve. Next week is winner takes it all. Is that going to be (laughs) ABBA-themed? How many movies ABBA have been in? Mamma Mia. Yeah. Could make you watch that, couldn't I? 
Owen loves musicals. That wasn't the one I had in mind. No. I'll watch Knowing Me, Knowing You again. Just the complete Alan Partridge series. <laughs> right. <laughs> On to the news now. Uh, not much around in, in movie news this week. Everything's gone a bit quiet after the Oscars. But we have had a couple of things. First up, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has left the Sandman movie project. I didn't really know too much about this myself. I don't know if anyone else did. Um, I didn't know that he was attached to it, and I didn't know that he had subsequently left the uh, well, project. There you um, go. <laughs> but and I'd yeah, never heard of it, so there you go. The Sandman. I've read the Sandman comics by Neil Gaiman, or Gaiman. I don't know how you actually pronounce his name. I think I've only, only ever seen it written down and never said out loud. Paul, can you stop, this, Neil Paul, yeah, Paul, stop laughing at Gaiman. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Preemptive um, shutdown from Steve. Of course you were. Don't don't lie. You were definitely laughing. I know what you're like. Um, but the the Sandman comics. I didn't. I don't know how that can be really like made into a film because it's very much. It uses the medium that it's a part of. It uses the fact that it's a comic to do different things with like panels and stuff. They just wouldn't really work in a movie. Uh, it would just be a bit strange. I mean, I'm curious to see what they would do with it, uh, or what they are going to do with it, I guess, because just because Joseph Gordon-Levitt has left doesn't necessarily mean the thing's not going to go ahead anymore. But, mm, yeah, I don't know. I'm not that excited for it. It's the same thing, like, if it was going to be made into a TV series, I might have been a bit more curious, because over a sort of long-running series, they've got more scope to do weird and different things with it. Whereas if they just commit it to a, a 90 minute, but well, it ain't going to be fucking 90 minutes, is it? Films these days are about two hours, 10 minutes each. But, you know, over a long form series, I think they might do something a bit surreal, a bit unusual, a bit out there. But as a film, it might just turn out to be quite arty and not really hit a, an audience that it's aimed at. You know, because comic book movies typically aren't very art house, are they? What's the closest art house comic book film that you can think of? Really? Um, Watchmen? Yeah, Watchmen, maybe. maybe. Yeah, it's a good shout, Steve. Yeah, thanks. Or, you know, it, it, there, are, there aren't too many. V for Vendetta, even, is still very, uh, like, comic book like uh, in its presentation. You know, Scott Pilgrim is probably a bit weird and, and strange in a different sense. But yeah, so I mean, I don't know where I'm really going with this now. I think I'm just rambling just to say that I would have preferred a TV series. But this is probably like not news to other people, just to me. It seems like I'm the last to hear about this. Mm, I just, yeah, I wasn't really aware of it until the news came out that he was not going to be attached. I was like, okay, what's all this about then? Not mm. really heard anything about it before. Another bit of news is, and perhaps we should have just got Carol on just for her reaction to this, the Ghostbusters remake, reboot trailer has finally dropped. I think dropped is the term now we've got to use for when these things happen. <laughs> it's dropped. Mm. And, yeah, it ain't very good, is it? Oh, careful. You're not allowed to say anything bad about Ghostbusters. You will be accused of being a misogynist pig. Well, I am. But that's not the reason that I don't <laughs> like this. Okay. It's just awful. Yeah, it looked like a video game. It wasn't mad. It, and... like the, it just looked like the, the, the jokes were just... Where were they? What was I meant to well, be laughing at? Maybe that's a good sign. Maybe they're not putting all the best things in the trailer, like we keep moaning about all the time. Yeah, but you, you know, know if, the... All the, if it's a comedy and the best gags are in the trailer, that's they like could, a they massive footpath. They could have put a gag in the trailer. Uh, are the, are they, the ladies in it, are they just going to be like taking on the character traits of the guys who were in it originally? I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't. It's not. It's got no relation to the other ones it's not a se- it's not a direct sequel it's, it seems to be a genuine reboot of the of the franchise so it's not even you know it's not in, in in this universe what happened in the bill murray films didn't happen oh really i thought it was that's what set that's what years I, after oh, i did oh, that's what I, that's what i'm assuming it's set years but after. they are doing another ghostbusters though aren't they how do you mean they are, are they still going ahead with that ghostbusters which, which ghostbusters not the one with an all-female cast, but an actual like sequel, a Ghostbusters three. I didn't know anything about that. I'd heard I'm something sure about we... it, but I, I think you covered it on here. But I don't know if that's still happening. It can't, yeah. surely. No, I wouldn't imagine so. But that had like that was an actual follow-up. 
whereas yeah i think steve's right i think this is just set completely outside of the original because in in the trailer they kind of give away a bit of them starting it up and there's no kind of mention of oh yeah some people done this like 20 years ago and we're just... well they were trying they were trying to get dan Aykroyd and bill murray to sort of have cameos weren't but, they? but not as um but not as peter and yeah the rest of them Mm, so. I, I will be honest, I have actively avoided seeing the trailer, just because I know as soon as it... Because the film's, what, PG-13 in America? Mm-hmm. It's going to be every screening I go to in the cinema for about two months leading up to it. I'm just yeah. going to get the trailer beforehand. I mean, so. I mean, Melissa McCarthy, I liked in Spy. That's really the only thing I've seen her in. Mm-hmm. Well, she was good in that. The trailer just seems to have the, the black woman shouting at people as her role, just being loud and shouting. Like a like an American genius sheer <laughs> which just doesn't. I mean, I'm sure she's a better comedian than what I'm giving her credit for. But from the trailer, it just seems like her jokes are being loud and shouting. From what I understand of this, I can't remember the actress's name either, uh, which is really bad. But I was talking to um, someone at the weekend about it, and they're very big fans of Saturday Night Live, which mm. is where all these guys are from, mm-hmm. right? And apparently, her shtick is that she starts off kind of quiet and then gradually gets louder and louder and louder. And so I'm told you generally don't see how it's going to be funny, but by the end you do find her quite funny. Okay. That's what her shtick appears to be. Well, I think the problem with a lot of with these properties, especially this one, is that the, the people who love it the most saw it when they were kids and, and grew mm. up with it. And, and that's why they get kind of overprotective and all precious about it now they're adults. Basically, you don't want people interfering with what happened when you were a kid correct yeah <laughs> yes hmm. anyway yes yeah. it doesn't it's not been well received and it doesn't look fantastic so far but i would um, refute that i think it's been received quite well from what i've seen on twitter just like people i'm following all seem to be very into it oh, well that's uh, different to what i've seen and heard yeah i, I mean it's uh, you mentioned in carol as well she seems to be really up for it she was I think really positive yeah it's won her over, I think. Not me. Oh, well, like I say, not me because I have willfully ignored it so far. Not like you to be so contrary. To, yeah, what a surprise. <laughs> Time now for what we've been watching where we take a look at what we've seen on the cinema, on video, Netflix, video on demand, whatever means of watching a film, whatever we've seen in the last week or so. Uh, Paul, why don't you start us off with your foreign horror movie? Yeah, I saw um, a film that uh, opened uh, on Friday called Goodnight Mummy. Um, it's uh, an Austrian film. Oh, as always, I'll murder the names. Uh, Severin Fiala and Veronica France are the directors. Um, really tiny cast. There's two guys, Lucas and Elias, which is their real names. And uh, the lady who plays their mum, or does she? is uh, Suzanne Vest. Um, uh, I thought it would be a mummy. I was hoping for an actual, like, mummy from an Egyptian crypt. Well, you know, she does have her face bandaged, and that's kind of the okay. premise of the Both film. There. Yeah. She, the, the kids are out playing, they suddenly come back to the house, and the mum's in her bedroom, and her face is all bandaged up. And you don't really understand what's going on, how this has happened, what's going on. The story sort of slowly unfolds. The, the trade is slightly misleading. It, it makes it look quite kind of whizzy and actiony in, in a way. There's lots quite frenetic, but it's not. It's real a real slow burn. These kind of Germanic films, they're very. Um, I've seen a lot of them. It, it kind of looks like Michael Haneke in a way. Mm-hmm. Very cold. The houses they live in are you know look like showrooms. Everything's spotless and very austere. The mum appears. Got the bandages all around her face she's obviously had some some surgery the kids start to doubt though that the person under the bandages is still their mum and as they become more and more convinced that that she's not things kind of start to spiral out of control um i don't want to give too much away here as i said it's it's really easy to spoil this there is inevitably a twist it looks amazing. Honestly, the, the cinematography, fantastic. The acting from the two kids in it is phenomenal. You totally buy into to, you know, who they are and what, what they're doing there, their whole situation. 
it does get quite weird at times. There are some really weird scenes, stuff that makes no sense. You can't work out if it's kind of being a little bit trippy or not. But it's just this side of weird to kind of, you know, to, to, to be able to kind of go with it for, for the story. And it doesn't outstay its welcome. It's, it's a nice tight 90 minutes. It's been picking up some really good reviews. It's been not, it's been knocking around for a while, though. It came out originally, I think, back in 2014. Um, and then it's been rolled out internationally really, really slowly. And I think we're the last country to get it. But, yeah, so if you, if you like, you kind of um, sort of... It's almost it reminds me of Funny Games. If you like that, the Michael Haneke film, mm-hmm. then you'll definitely like this. I've only seen the original Funny Games. I haven't seen the remake, the one he made himself mm-hmm. again in America. Um, yeah, that was a bit fourth wall breaking, a bit weird and trippy. But having seen the trailer for this Good Night Mummy, the one thing I think we said before we started recording, the one thing I would want mainly from a film like that is for it to be very weird and just unusual and different it is but it's not completely batshit do you know what i mean where, where yeah you, for me if it gets too weird and too trippy and i, I just start losing interest it's 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 grounded in reality enough for mm-hmm. me personally to 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 have a you know a proper narrative proper structure it's a proper film um and it plays out in a traditional way but there are some weird elements to it yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah, as long as it's sort of got a cohesive story there as well. And yeah, it's not exactly. just like it's, it's entertaining and engaging. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very unusual and it is, it is quite tense as well. Um, but we, we spoke just before we started recording that this is the Daily Mail was saying it's the scariest film trailer ever released. Yeah, I mean, what is that about? <laughs> I have no idea where it's come from, but it, it, it is quite creepy and unsettling, but I wouldn't say it was the scariest. It's a weird no. thing to want to hand out a badge for. I mean, scariest trailer. When when was when did that become a thing? Mm. Well, it's again, it's this culture, isn't it, of trailers? Just I don't, I just the ones that give everything away are the worst, the fucking worst. But I mean, having seen the trailer then, and you know, the scariest trailer ever, and compared it to the film, is there much more to the film than you see in the trailer? There's much less in the film than you see in the trailer. Oh, really? Make, the trailer makes it look a lot more frenetic, a lot more going on, whereas, in fact, this is very slow, considered, real slow mm. burn. The tension's ramped up very, very gradually, whereas the trailer literally cuts to every single bit that isn't the slow build-up. It's, it's chop, 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 and it's, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't reflect the actual film. It makes oh. it look a lot more entertaining than it actually is. So would you say people should avoid the trailer and just go on your opinion? Yeah, I, <laughs> Yeah. It's worth seeing, absolutely, but I, I wouldn't watch the trailer if you're going to go and see this because it, it, it shows you pretty much all the best bits. Why do you tell us to watch the trailer then? <laughs> the scariest film ever made, and you're never going to see this film, Steve. <laughs> you don't know that. Oh well, by the time it comes to Netflix, you'll have forgotten all about the trailer. Probably, yeah. probably. Uh, so yes, that's what you've seen then, Paul. Yep. The only other thing I saw very briefly is I know uh, Brooker was a big fan. And I was desperate to see it all of last year. Uh, was oh, Kill yeah. Your Friends. I'm a massive fan of John Niven's book. I absolutely love it because it is just absolute filth, that book. Just beyond the pile of things that go on in that book. And as I suspected, they didn't get translated to the screen quite how I hoped. It was a lot, lot tamer than I was, was hoping for. And it, it was still really good and I still loved it. But I was just... In nagging in the back of my mind is they didn't go there and they didn't show what happened in, in the in the book in all its disgusting glory. That's interesting. That's the opposite way around to what Brooker thought, isn't it? Because he hated the book. I don't think he even finished it, but he really loved the film. Like if you hadn't read the book and saw the film, I could see. Ah, oh, I could yeah. see. Yeah, you could fall in love with it. But not. Nah. No. No. It is proper, just horrendous. The stuff that goes on in that book. Which I, and I said right at the start when I first mentioned it way, way back on the podcast, that surely this is unfilmable. And guess what? Mm. It is. <laughs> it's American Psycho in the pop industry in the 90s is That's how most correct. people seem to yep. sort of describe it. Yeah. yeah, but American Psycho suffers from the same thing. The stuff that goes on in that book, there's no way that was ever going to be put up on screen. Have you read it? Have you, I take it you've not read American Psycho or um, Kill Your Friends? No. I haven't, but I've seen, the, I've seen American Psycho and thought it was a great film. Kill Your Friends, no, I don't, don't think it's... It's not on, like, Netflix or anything yet, is it? 
No. It's still just like, it's only been out what, in the last six months. Yeah. So, I think the, yeah. the Blu-ray lands next next week, I think, maybe week after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lands or, or is dropped? Drops on. That's yeah. what we've established. The land is dropped full. Oh, sorry, drops. Yes, sorry. You need to correct <laughs> terminology, please. I will. Uh, Owen, what have you seen this week? Uh, I'm going to talk about the film Experimenter, which came out on DVD in the UK at the beginning of last week. It's a biopic, biopic, however you want to pronounce it, about the famous social psychologist Stanley Milgram, who's played by Peter Sarsgaard. Now, I know that in popular culture, at least, there probably aren't many social psychologists, you could say, are famous to the point that the average Joe would recognise their name. Um, I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't have known his name, Stanley Milgram, just from from that. Um, and give this film sort of twelve months, and I'll probably have forgotten Stanley Milgram's name again. But if I was to say Philip Zambardo, his name would mean nothing to me. Do you guys know who Philip Zambardo is? No, nope. I'm guessing no. <laughs> However, if I asked you if you knew or if you had heard of the Stanford Prison Experiment, would you know that? Mm, uh, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. So you've heard of it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Similarly, in a way, if somebody asked me if I knew what the Milgram experiment was, named after Stanley Milgram, I would have said no, until they started to explain it to me. So stop me if, as I start to explain what this experiment is that the film's based around, sounds familiar to you guys. Okay, so it's performed in 1961. Stanley Milgram uh, performed the experiment to measure obedience. Um, one man was chosen to be a teacher and the other man was chosen to be a learner. Uh, only the, the learner is a stooge. He's not real. He's not actually part of the experiment. He's just someone who works with, with Stanley Milgram. The learner would then be strapped into an electric shock generating machine where he was going to be asked a series of questions. And he was told if he gets a question wrong, he would receive a jolt of electricity that would steadily increase higher and higher with each incorrect answer and would be administered by the teacher in a different room. So the teacher, the person who's the actual like member of the experiment, the person who's, who they're performing the social psychology test on, uh, he's led to this other room. He's instructed to keep shocking the learner who he can't see, but he can hear. So when this guy is screaming in agony at being shocked over and over again, um, it's his job to keep asking him the questions and keep pressing the buzzer to shock him with this increasing voltage, even if this guy sounds like he's in serious pain. And so what happens is, of course, the, the teacher who's conducting the experiment, conducting the shocks, he keeps turning to the person who's observing him and saying, should I stop? This guy sounds like he's, he's really wants me to stop. Should I stop? And the instructor just says, nope, continue. And so the experiment was very controversial and unethical in some people's opinions. Um, but around 60% of the time, the teacher would go all the way up to what they, were, what they thought they were doing, which was giving 450 volt shocks to this guy, simply because somebody in a position of authority told them to do it. So it's all about obedience and why we obey authority figures. So have you heard of this experiment before? No. Does it make sound familiar? No, okay. Right. <laughs> Just me. Um. But the, yeah, so the film centres around Stanley Milgram as the protagonist, following his life from the overseer of this experiment in the 1960s, uh, which probably takes up the first third or more of the film. And then the subjects of the experiment, who you get to see uh, lots of clips of, there. The features a couple of relatively high caliber cameos for a small film like this. So you've got John Leguizmo and Anton Yelchin. Um, and you also have uh, Winona Ryder, actually, who plays his wife in the film, Peter Sarsgaard's wife. Uh, and actually, the performances of all of them are really solid. I mean, I couldn't fault any of the performances. I think uh, Winona Ryder's decent as the wife. Um, and I mean, her character is pretty bland and reduced to simply being either wife, mother or like muse for some of the experiments that this um, Stanley Milgram dreams up. But it's not it's not at all like a romance or love story. So her part being quite small and in the background, I'm I'm okay with. I think it's 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 not the point of what the film's trying to do. It is literally all about Stanley Milgram and his experiments. Which leads me nicely on to say that I really did like Peter Sarsgaard. Um, I found him a little bit odd at first, because he's just a strange 
like unassuming, depressed looking man. He always looks like someone just handed him a carrier bag and told him they've accidentally run over his cat. But he was strangely quite engaging as this guy in a weird off kilter kind of manner. Um, yeah, he was he was actually really good. He breaks the fourth wall probably more times than Deadpool did. But to be honest, I mean, it doesn't really feel like you're watching a movie anyway. It feels very much like a stage play. The way that this, the sort of scenes kind of everyone freezes and he turns and starts talking to the camera and explaining how he was feeling on this particular day and why this experiment was being conducted in this particular way, etc. I mean, I wouldn't say there was a lot of narration in it, but it probably has a ratio of like one to one for dialogue between characters and Sarsgaard talking directly into the camera. Um, but it feels like an intelligently, uh, carefully written script that, much like Peter Sarsgaard, never seemingly gets carried away with itself. Uh, but it was, does also lack a lot of emotion. You know, where's the anger and ferocity that you're supposed to feel over the, the ethical controversies and the outrage caused by his experiments? Where's the warmth and the courageous achievement? It's all just a bit flat as a period piece like a slice of 60s and 70s America, it's it's kind of stylish and slick. Um, as a thought piece, it's it's clever. It doesn't really talk down to the audience. Uh, even as like an unpretentious drama, it's fine. It just could have done with a touch more, uh, a, a bit more oomph, a bit more get-go to it. There's, there's nothing really driving it apart from hoping that you're kind of interested in the social experiment side of it. Just so, just to clarify... The guy who's receiving the shocks isn't really receiving the shocks. Is that the thing? They're tricking the guy. Yeah, he's just pretending. Yeah. He's okay. just in another room. So the, the idea is that this guy thinks he's shocking someone yeah. and he keeps doing it more and more, even though there's no real need for him. It's just someone in a like a lab coat sitting next to him with a clipboard saying, continue. So he okay. keeps doing yeah. it. So, you know, think about like the, um, the people who, uh, the Nazis and the experiments they did and the things they did, and it's just like passing the responsibility onto somebody else. It's the person who's in charge. You, you're not responsible for this. You were just following orders. It's that kind of experiment. Why do people do that? What is it that about authority, about obedience in human nature that means that you do that? Because the idea was at first he was told that, you know, one in every hundred people you're going to do this experiment with will go all the way. Is, is the you know his peers just sort of said there's no way you will get more than about one person to keep following orders and as it happened it was it was a really high amount it was something like eighty five percent of them followed the experiment and kept shocking the person or what you know who they thought they they should thought they were shocking the person obviously there was no actual shocks going on but yeah so that was the, like the experiment that's what it kind of focuses on um what i would say is it's a it's a relatively short film these days it's only 90 minutes long um i wouldn't outright recommend it to everyone if it seems like you might find it kind of interesting then you probably will find it kind of interesting if it seems like one you would normally avoid then that is also probably wise um but for anyone interested it came out on dvd and digital hd on uh the 29th of february so it's about if you wanted to find it and uh, and give it a watch. Cool. Okay. Um, a couple of things I've seen. First one, this is probably a couple of weeks ago. We've had a quite a busy few weeks on the podcast. I've not really spoken about it. Plus, it's you know not the um, most worthy film of spending a lot of time on. But I just <laughs> thought I'd I'd mention it. it's Battleship, and that is because the first time I saw it, it's that film starring Liam Neeson and, and Rihanna. First time I saw it, a movie based on a board game absolutely terrible and then I think it must have been a Saturday afternoon and it was on or evening and it was on E4 or something and I think I must have got home from football and was going out in a couple of hours and thought I'll just put something on where I'm not going to have to really pay much attention to the plot and I was watching it and I thought I've given this a bit of a bad ride this isn't really any worse than something like Independence Day or Armageddon which I really like and enjoy and will watch lots <laughs> and lots Hmm. What, and it's, it, it hits all the same notes as it does. It's got all the same kind of, you know, the same kind of cliches and bits in it, and and same kind of characters in it. And I was just thinking, I this film gets a bit. Why is this any worse than like something like Pacific Rim? Because it's not. But I enjoy. And I was watching. It, I think, well, this isn't actually that bad. I mean, like, I'm not going to be in a hurry to watch it again. But I just think the first time I watched it, I gave it a bad rap, maybe on the reputation it was getting. 
and I don't think it's actually as bad as what it's made out to be. I'm with you, Steve. In fact, I even liked it when it came out originally, in, in the sense that it was just a ridiculously big budget, stupid actioner, but it, yeah, it hit all the right beats and I had fun with it. I don't, you know, it is what it is. I mean, what are people expecting when they go into a film called Battleship? I think it came out <laughs> at the same time as that Skyline film with, with Turk oh, and Scrubs God, in that it. Is awful. And that, yeah, that, and Battle, was it Battlefield LA or something? With mm-hmm. um, Aaron Eckhart, maybe? Because hmm. yep. them two were proper rubbish. <laughs> like those two were really bad. They they didn't have any redeeming features whatsoever. But but yeah, I thought Battlefield got a bad rap, and it's actually not that bad. Um, but the films I want to really talk about is, um, and this will come on to. We'll see why we're talk, I'm talking. It's in our triple bill in a minute, uh, and that's Men in Black and its subsequent sequels. Men in Black came out in 1997. Uh, and starred Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, you didn't know. We're pretty much at peak Smith here, aren't we? This is him at the top of this his is, game, This really. is peak Smith. Good film, good theme song, marrying the two <laughs> up together. Wild Wild West, bad film, good theme song. That one where he played the animated fish, bad theme song, bad film. This one <laughs> is peak Smith, top of his musical and acting prowess. I think I've got to confess, I, I don't think I've actually watched Men in Black since really? 1998. Oh, since my... Yeah, that's um, probably I, I, I watched it a lot as a kid, but I don't think I've watched it since then. Men in Black has won an Oscar. Special effects. Uh, best makeup. Yeah. So, yeah, still. Um, but it's, yeah, I just think it, it's, it's great fun. Uh, some good action, some good jokes. It's a bit of a silly concept, but it works really well. Tommy Lee Jones is really good as the straight man playing off of Will Smith in kind of, you know, his over-the-top mode. Also a comic book adaptation, I think, Men in Black. Yeah, I just found that out reading the Wikipedia page earlier. Um, yeah. So, But, yeah. Um, I think I've Rick... got it on Laserdisc. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, BCD Rick... knocking about somewhere. And Yeah, it's just... Ten... There's not too many kind of comedies of this type anymore that work really well and just sort of seem to be at the time it's probably quite a bit different to what had been around before the two sequels I enjoyed both of those as well they're kind of diminishing returns um, to being better than three and I don't really remember liking two very much two was the one where it was the girlfriend he made in the first film right which which, yeah um, who was like a princess or something and Got yeah. sent off into space at the end, and three was when they went back in time, and Josh Brolin played a young Tommy Lee Jones, which was. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I just like spending time with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith together on screen. The chemistry yeah. between them is is really good. Yeah. And and from that, just for that alone, I'm happy to to you know watch those films. But and there's a bit of heart in in the original. Certainly, there's a bit of heart where you see um, Tommy Lee Jones checking up on what I presume was his ex, his wife or whatever, um, and kind of watching her in the garden and then revealing at the end that he was actually tra- chaining Jay to be his replacement, not his partner, because mm-hmm. he wants to go back to his, his normal life. I liked all the fish-out-of-water stuff in the first one, when you know, Will yes. Smith's kind of discovering all of the stuff that's going on that he had no, no clue about. Yeah. That's really enjoyable. Yeah. It was just a really, like... Goofy, but at the same time quite cool film, wasn't it? Yeah. Back then. It all looked very cool, didn't it? Yeah. And, and it was well, all the and... sunglasses and the gadgets. and, um, and well, It was very much yeah. of its time, but... I still think it well, works. Well, I still I think it works it. on repeat viewing now. Do you still get up and do the, the little jiggy? Do you get jiggy with his only, tune? Only at school discos. <laughs> um, the less said about that, the better. <laughs> Time now for a welcome return to Triple Bill on the podcast, and this week it's going to be our three ideas uh, for movie crossovers. And this is because it has now been announced. This was because rumoured back when North Korea hacked Sony, um, but it's kind of been confirmed now that there is going to be, or there is at least planned to be, a Men in Black Jump Street crossover. Which is why I picked this Triple Bill for this week. What do we think of that idea? I think it could work. Um, I thought Jump Street, 21 Jump Street, and its sequel were actually quite surprising successes. 22 Jump Street, not so much, because 21 was good, but 21 Jump Street wasn't expecting a lot, and it actually 
brilliant, hilariously. Funny. Yeah, I only watched Twenty One Jump Street because you kept going on about it, yeah. and I thought um, it looked like the, nothing like a kind of film I would normally enjoy. Yeah, yeah, it was alright in the end. It was We're, quite fun. And Twenty One Jump Street as well was a remake of a TV show. Yeah, and now the the remake the remake is going to be a crossover. I think it could work with Men in Black if they don't go too much on like trying to get Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones involved and they're kind of like a, a cameo role like Johnny Depp was in 21 Jump Street and it's just uh, they just dump them into yeah, that yeah it's just universe. Channing Tatum and and Jonah um Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill being taken from the jump you know their their job now into the men in black and Ice Cube as well he can the go problem on. with this though <laughs> if it works there's a good chance that half of the terrible ideas that we're probably going to float in, in, in <laughs> will actually happen. Well, there is rumours about stuff like G.I. Joe films crossing over with Transformers and stuff like that. Well, I, I said G.I. Joe should cross over with Action Man just to get the staff in there. Because he, he yeah. Action, Action Man's the British version of G.I. Joe, so you just that's how it works. Well, Transformers same. and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff yeah. like that. Basically, Transformers with any other Michael Bay property. Yeah, Bad Boys. Bad Boys, yeah. Armageddon. The Rock and Bad Boys. Oh, fuck, can we start this triple bill again? I just thought <laughs> of another one. <laughs> so, yes, we thought we'd have a bit of fun with this week's triple bill and just pick our three ideas for, for movie crossover. I'm not quite sure how seriously we've all taken this. Not, not very. The option was to go as serious or as silly as you like. Uh, so, Owen, why don't you start us off with your first idea? I remember how, for years, I always wanted to see... Because I grew up watching like a lot of kung fu films, and I always wanted to see a film with Jackie Chan and Jet Li in it. Preferably having a bit of a fight. And then, in 2008, The Forbidden Kingdom did that. Now, it, it included some like Canon Studios-esque plot about an American nobber who discovers a magical time-travelling ancient Chinese weapon in a pawn shop, and there, it's just shit. Uh, nobody fucking cares. Just give us these two du- dudes doing insanely choreographed fight sequences for 90 minutes. Everyone would have been happy. It's not fucking difficult, but instead they had some terrible story going alongside it that was that was horrendous. Also, whilst the first like Alien versus Predator film is okay as a brainless action movie, and it's the other like big crossover that I first thought of about when I was trying to think of ones that already exist, Alien versus Predator, I thought it's okay, it's all right. The sequel, Requiem, is absolute fucking garbage of the worst kind. Uh, Freddy versus Jason is appalling as well. Well, basically, my point is I'm a bit sceptical about the idea of crossovers. Uh, I don't think they'll ever live up to expectations. I am slightly worried as well. I don't think 21 Jump Street and Men in Black will really work that well. I, th- I think it could, but it, like I say it depends on who's on board, how they do it. If, it, if, yeah. it's, if I don't think it's going to be the original writers of, of 21 Jump Street. Um, I can't remember who I read it was Juice, but you know, I was thinking when I saw who it was, I can't remember who it is now. But I thought that could they could pull it off, but hmm. I, I just think they. I just think it's what I said really. Don't go too much on trying to get Will Smith in, involved and Tommy Lee Jones involved. Just have them uh, cameos yeah. or something. And, and I think it'll just—it's just the Twenty One Jump Street series jumping the shark. Really, they yeah. should have like the trailers at the end of Twenty Two Jump Street. That was enough. You know, that was fun. But anyway, that was great. It was, yeah. Uh, but, so basically, what what I think is, if you're going to do it, if you're going to have a crossover, they've got to be mashups of some kind, either like thematically or narratively. Or just the genre, even have two completely wildly different genres mashing up, and I don't think sticking together two things that you like that are vaguely similar will necessarily work. So the three that I came up with are all basically mistakes because it was really difficult trying to think of how to do this seriously and to make it into a good idea. So my first choice is Battle Royale. And I can't believe I'm saying this because you mentioned it earlier, but Sister Act. Uh, Right. (laughs) So you've got a famous celebrity who witnesses a Yakuza-related murder. She's under witness protection, and the police send her off to Japan, disguised as a nun at a convent school. But this nun has an axe to grind with her school kids, quite literally. You see what I did there? Um, 
her class are unruly and out of control. They're having having physically assaulted the previous nun. Uh, they're chosen under the Battle Royale Act to engage in dangerous armed combat to the death. And having formed having formed a bond with her class, the nun joins the Battle Royale to help these kids see reason, but finds herself in over her head. Will she keep the kids under control? Will the Yakuza mobsters realise who she is? Will her explosive colour go off and separate her head from her shoulders? It's the Battle Royale sister act. There we go. Right. That was my first choice. Okay. So you can see how seriously I've taken this triple yes, bill. Well, I've gone for a, a, a similar tact on my uh, first one. And that is two films you might not expect to see together, but I can think they share a common theme. That's the horror film It Follows and the even worse horror film Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. Well, Paul, have you, have you seen It Follows? Yep. Right, so you're familiar with the concept. I am. You've, you've heard of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes. I saw it. Book about, I saw it. Book about shagging. Yep. Right. What's It Follows about? girl who's followed by this thing that's just relentless. Yeah, why is it follow her? Because uh, she had sex. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. So basically, the, the pervy guy who does all the kinky stuff, I haven't seen Fifty Shades of Grey already. I'm just going by trailers of what I've been told. Mr. Grey. Yeah, Mr. Grey, the pervy bloke who ties women up and hits them and that. Right, so he is doing that <laughs> because he's being followed by the It Follows monster thing. Mm. All right. So he does it with the girl who ends up not being that kinky, but ends up being quite kinky and getting on with him. Then she's being followed by it, and it descends into just porn horror. <laughs> not horror, <laughs> horror. horror. Yeah. So it's basically just lots of jagging because they've got to get rid of this thing. And no one quite knows how to do it. Um, I, I haven't really thought about it. I just thought the idea of It Follows... <laughs> Uh, like a, a demon that gets after you if you've been having sex, and Fifty Shades of Grey, which is about kinky sex, I thought that would just work quite well. I haven't thought the finer details of this one. I just thought it. I just thought it would work. Owen's actually thought about all the finer details, and now it's going to make us look like a pair of wallies where we haven't. <laughs> I made a pun out of the name, the Battle Royale Sister Act. Oh. You know, the Battle Royale Act. That was what it was. Called. Never mind. Carry on. Yes, but what's your first idea? <laughs> right. Well. The funny thing is, this whole mashup thing actually started in the 40s with mm-hmm. um, Abbott and Costello, whose films I used to watch when I was a kid. In the 40s. <laughs> they used to be on TV. I wasn't a kid in the 40s. But... <laughs> the joke is, Paul, that you're old. I know. I am old. But and it, I actually remembered something I either read or heard on a podcast that um, Kevin Smith said. And uh, he got a phone call from Bob Weinstein just after Jay and Silent Bob strike back. And he said to Kevin Smith, uh, you know what happens with buddy team comedies in the history of cinema? They stop making them eventually. People get tired. He goes, the thing about, think about what Abbott and Costello did. They met monsters. (laughs) They did Abbott and Costello, Frankenstein, all this kind of stuff. So Bob Weinstein goes on to say to Kevin Smith, look, we've got Hellraiser's pinhead, We've got Michael Myers' Halloween. We've got Children of the Corn. Why not have Jay and Silent Bob meet monsters? And <laughs> Kevin Smith's that like... That sounds fucking awesome, actually. Uh, Kevin Smith's like, you've got to, you, this, this can't be real. What are you saying? No. I bet so, he'd do it now, wouldn't he? <laughs> here's the thing. He, Kevin Smith then tells Ben Affleck this. And Ben Affleck goes like, dude, think about it. That is so fucking stupid that enough people might be like... I really want to see this movie. <laughs> and you know what? I'm stupid enough because I want to see that movie. I would. I genuinely would go and watch that. I must be really stupid. It sounds like it'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be in for Jane Silent Bob meeting any kind of uh, sort of modern day horror monster. I think that would actually be a, uh, be hilarious. Donald, Who would Donald you Trump. <laughs> yes. There we go. <laughs> that is a good topic for one, wasn't it? Yeah. Trouble is with these things. Careful what you wish for. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that's my that's my first one, which is was actually technically a potential one. Yeah. Owen, what's your second choice? I've gone for snakes on a plane, crossed with the Jodie Foster movie Flight Plan. Right. <laughs> right. 
So three hours into a flight, which she boarded with her pet snake, Jodie Foster wakes up after a brief kip to find it's missing. Nobody else on the flight believes she had a motherfucking snake on the motherfucking plane in the first place. Sean Bean is the nice, unassuming, definitely not evil pilot who doesn't believe that she ever brought a snake on board because who the fuck brings a snake on a plane? But she swears she did. And Samuel L. Jackson plays an FBI agent aboard the plane who avows to help Foster track down her snake whilst they're 30,000 foot in the air. Uh, They search the cabin, the crew, the holdalls, the luggage compartment, the little kitchen bit that's next to the toilets. And surprisingly find loads of other motherfucking snakes on the motherfucking plane, but not Jodie Foster's motherfucking snake. They take ages, it's really convoluted, and Keenan from Keenan and Kel is a hilarious passenger aboard the plane as well and brings a light relief to this very serious thriller about a missing snake on a plane. So that was my that was my second crossover. Okay, that's a <laughs> yeah interesting. It's basically choice. just snakes on a plane, hmm. but with Jodie Foster. Does Sean Bean die? He's the bad guy who dies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he gets bitten by a snake. Poisonous snake. Is he bitten by a poisonous snake, or is he like crushed by like a constrictor? I'm guessing that he opens up his in-flight meal and just a, a constrictor just springs out and just bites him on the face. I don't think you know your snakes very well. <laughs> no. You're not a snake. Oh, no, no, no. Constrictors the ones that... St- okay. Yeah, You're not a snakeologist, ones... are you? <laughs> I'm not, no marine biologist. No. no. Uh, I'm, my second one is uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off crossover with Taken. Oh, you bastard. I've got Taken on my next one, but carry on. So, new headmaster of Ferris Bueller's school is Liam Neeson's character from Taken. And I know his headmaster in the film tried to find him on his day off. Didn't happen. Weren't very good at it. So when Ferris Bueller takes his next day off, Liam Neeson from Taken uses his particular set of skills to hunt Ferris Bueller down. So while you've got half a film of Ferris Bueller doing all this funny stuff with his mates and hanging out and skipping school and getting involved in parades and all that kind of stuff, he's then got the dark side of Liam Neeson's character kind of killing people to find out where Ferris Bueller is and, <laughs> and doing all this kind of fighting and shooting of people until he finds Ferris Bueller and there's some big face off. Ferris Bueller should win. And they're both good guys, really. But I think Ferris Bueller should win. I'm not quite sure how he'd win, but he will win. Is this all going to be in Ferris Bueller's head as well? Well, no, because that would be, that'd be the Ferris Bueller fight club taken. Because <laughs> there's, a, there's a theory, isn't there, that Ferris Bueller is just a, an imagination of his friend. Yeah, who commits suicide or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that—that's yeah. I didn't want to go quite down a dark route like that, so I just thought I'd go with uh, Taken. Yeah, because Liam... Taken's not dark at all. Well, is not it? with Ferris Bueller involved. No, you should, no. Yeah, so you'll see Liam, while the parade's going on, you'll see Liam Neeson just tearing through it, shooting performers and hitting <laughs> hitting jugglers until he finds Ferris Bueller, but he misses him just. Yeah, Paul. My second one, I've gone for. Beavis and Butthead go to Jurassic Park. <laughs> and purely because I wanted to write down the word Cocosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> and that would definitely be in that That film. would absolutely guaranteed that would be the script. Mike Judge, first thing, Cocosaurus. <laughs> I just have this vision of them. You know when they go on the little carts going through the park? And just mm-hmm. Beavis and Butthead, just complete... The only thing they can see on the dinosaurs are its genitals pointing at them and laughing <laughs> and, and when it does all kick off it's just mayhem around them but all they care about is getting some nachos from the canteen <laughs> but yeah. here's the kicker i googled this and not only have two bloody people already written a fan fiction of beavers and butthead to jurassic park they've also crossed them over with doctor who south park ghostbusters titanic smurfs and star trek and a load of others there are people who've been thinking of not only just thinking about what we're doing tonight but actually writing treatments for them wow my mind is blown (laughs) well owen what's your third choice so as we just established, I've also chosen Taken. But I've gone for Taken and Commando, the Arnie film. So you've got two men who are on a mission to find their missing daughters. You've got an old Schwarzenegger who's got a lot of guns and commando training. And you've got Liam Neeson and his particular set of skills. 
while searching for their daughter, they obviously electrocute a load of evil foreigners. They quip about being too old for this shit. And they pine after their wives. And the dramatic twist is that they find out the wife they're both pining for is one and the same. They're actually looking for the same daughter. I'm going to call this crossover Taken Commando, Who's the Daddy? Uh, <laughs> it becomes an existential action movie about monogamy and parental duties culminating in a drawn-out custody feud. So I've gone that. That's what I'm doing. I Who's the daddy? No. Okay. My, my <laughs> last one is two films. Well, one film that's been mentioned earlier, another film that has got a reboot or uh, whatever coming out very soon. So I'm crossing over Ace Ventura with The Jungle Book. Right. So Ace Ventura is set in the modern day. It's just a bit up there. So Ace Ventura finds out that there's this human boy living in the jungle and he's found out that they actually worked out who his parents are and they say, right, we need somebody to go and get him back. So Ace Ventura's upgraded from pet detective now. He's just now like animal detective. So he's done the first two films. And now he's a bit older, a bit more responsibility, promotion at work. He's self-employed, I think, anyway. But So he goes off into the jungle to find the boy. And he's doing all of his things of like where you see him stuck inside a rhino with head sticking out his ass and all that kind of stuff and doing all the Jim Carrey thing of pulling funny faces and, and making funny noises and all that kind of stuff. And then you've got the live-action bit like you see in the trailers for the new Jungle Book film with Mowgli dicking around with bears, voiced by Bill Murray. <laughs> We were really sort of running out of ideas by the third one, weren't we? Oh, I certainly was. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Do, you want, do you want mine? Go on, then. Mine's the Football Factory and Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, you, no, you laugh, right? Okay. The Stormtroopers, okay? You know, the, the two universes are, are, you know, in the same place. So the Stormtroopers are, are on Earth. They're top boy... <laughs> is sorting out a, a ruck with another firm, obviously run by Danny Dyer, and uh, just this huge battle outside the ground. The stormtroopers, obviously, you're not allowed guns because you're a slag if you use a gun in a ruck. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody from the human, well, from the from uh, Danny Dyer's team gets killed by accident. They come back together at the end. Danny Dyer. The top boy turns out, obviously, to be Darth Vader, and uh, Dyer and Vader have a massive, massive ruck. Didn't you that's... say Danny Dyer turned out to be Darth Vader? No, that would have been even better, though. I thought that's what oh. you just said. And then oh, you no, said... no, 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 no. <laughs> then you said they have a massive ruck. Like, what? That's as much as I got on this, mate. I was struggling by the third one. <laughs> this was this was really like genuinely a difficult triple bill. Maybe we'll have because... to maybe we we'll have to do this again, but like give ourselves a week's notice rather than like twelve hours notice to actually work <laughs> it out. I didn't even I know think... I was on this podcast. <laughs> maybe maybe do it a bit more like James Diamond's podcast where he does the pitch. Maybe do it's it. A... Just a... Yeah, meet up in a pub and just chat over beers and think about. The films that you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. that would probably be a good... They've just rebranded there, haven't they? Podcasts okay. from the pub. Yeah. yeah. I saw that. That looks quite good. Yeah. Well, it's it's that's what they do, really, isn't it? I mean, just podcasts yeah, from the pub. Yeah, let's not plug them too much. What, podcasts from the pub? Yeah. Don't plug podcasts from the pub, Steve. Yeah, yeah with James Diamond and Nathan Human. That's the yeah, one. I believe it is James Diamond and Nathan Human who do podcasts from the pub, yes. Yeah, formerly Diamond and Human. Mm. That's correct. Yes, anyway. uh, I think I think Paul had the best idea for this, really, which was to just take some characters who are funny and put them into other situations. I've, if I'd have thought about it a bit more, that's probably what I would have done. I think my It Follows Fifty Shades of Grey would have <laughs> that was also really good. Would, would work if somebody with brains could think out a plot for it. Yes. Yeah. I went with my strongest one first. I think the Battle Royale sister act. Anyway, that... recommendations <laughs> for the week ahead. So, Owen, what are you telling people to watch? On film four, on Friday at quarter to 11 in the evening, you've got Kill List, the Ben Wheatley film with Neil Maskell and Michael Smiley, which is about a couple of hitmen and it's all weird and trippy and it's pretty good. But also straight after that, you've got Sightseers, which is also a Ben Wheatley comedy about two people from Redditch who go on a caravanning holiday and murder a load of people. I love that and film so much. It's very, very funny. And then straight after that, you've got A Field in England. Ugh. 
which I loved, is oh. my favourite of the three. Ugh. Ugh. And you could stay up and watch all three, because I think High Rise comes out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it when does. We, new film. Um, maybe even Saturday or Friday, hence that run of films on Film 4, possibly. I couldn't find much in the way of stuff worth watching on TV or new to Netflix, but at 20 past midnight on Sunday morning, so if you're getting back from the pub on Saturday night, Kick-Ass is on. Um, and you won't find many better films to fall asleep to on the sofa while you're <laughs> pissed. Brilliant. What a recommendation. They should have had that on the <laughs> Yeah. And Paul? I'm, oh, I'm going to go take a punt here and i've only seen the first four or five episodes now of the new season of house of cards on netflix it's really in danger of jumping the shark it really is i'm at that point where i just i I could see where i think it's gonna go and if it does i'm i'm gonna be out so i'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed because it's yeah it's 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 been interesting so far but i'm really really nervous do you, have you both watched it? Or do I haven't watched watch any House not, of Cards No, yet. I've not watched any of it. I, it. I really want to, but every time I mention it, it's like, there's a guy who uh, I'm at uni with and I mentioned it to him and he's like, have you watched the British version yet though? I'm like, no. He's like, you got to watch the British one first. And it's like trying to find time to find that and then watch it and then watch the American one. I don't think you need to watch the UK one. No? No. It's so it was so long ago. I'd got it's I you know I do remember it, but blimey, I'm old. I only barely remember it. Uh, what I have been watching on Netflix though is BoJack Horseman, because I watched the first episode ages ago when it was first added, and I thought this is shit. What the fuck is this? And didn't bother with it again, Same. but was convinced to give it another go. It's hilarious. It really it, it's grown on me tremendously. It's just so funny. I might have to give it another poke then, because I, de- I watched the first one, didn't get it, binned it off. First first episode was bad, and then the second episode was okay, the third and fourth ones are better. By the sixth episode, I was like, this is actually quite good. By the end of the first series, I was like, this is one of the best Netflix originals they've done. It just gets better and better. And then the Christmas special was good as well. They did a Christmas special between the seasons. So yeah, I'm, okay, fuck the, the Ben Wheatley stuff, I'm recommending BoJack Horseman. <laughs> give that a go. Okay. Uh, well, that is all for, for failed critics this week. Owen, what's up next week? Next week? Well, it doesn't really matter. Shall I tell you what's happened this week? You... And this is going to be news to Paul as well. This is our 200th episode. Hooray! 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 <laughs> so, um, we... Th- th- the reason this episode is no, like different to many of our other triple bills is because it originally wasn't going to be our 200th episode. I misjudged when our 200th episode would land or drop. Sorry, Steve. Um, So we will probably celebrate our 202nd episode. Uh, We've got, I think James is coming back for that one. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) we We will try not to make it five hours long. We'll try and think of something different to do with it um i mean what i was thinking of was doing like a live stream of it through youtube which if anyone's interested in then tell us if you think that's the most horrendous idea you've ever heard and there's no way you would tune in live to hear that an unedited version of the podcast why the hell would you because so much of it has to be taken out um (laughs) yeah that's not a nod to the secret episode secret episode what the fuck is that never mind um, no, the first rule of the secret episode. Yeah, nobody knows about the secret mm. episode. Mm. But um, so mm. James Diamond from Diamond and Human or Podcast from the Pub will be joining us for that episode, which will be our two hundred and second episode. <laughs> two hundred and two. But yeah. hooray, we made it to two hundred without being sued. Um, That's pretty much. Down. That, I, I mean, kicked off iTunes. If you if you work obviously the basis of fifty two weeks to a year, that's nearly four years of podcasts. Mm. Well, we did start in April twenty twelve. Good lord! Oh, yes. What are we doing with our lives, Owen? As you say, every twenty odd episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What are we doing with that? Yeah. What the fuck are we doing? I, th- oh. I like to think we've inspired a lot of these other podcasts, so that are now involved with us. Do you reckon? I think you we're know. We're going to take full I th- credit. I think you know. If, if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have Black Hole Cinema and all of these 
other podcasts, you wouldn't have Wiki Shuffle, you wouldn't have Diamond and Human, and without Born Offside, you wouldn't have Failed Critics. So it's all down to me, all this lot. The it one is who Steve. is the one who is literally the worst at it. So gracious, without, without, so selfless. Without a, without a doubt, the worst at it, the least knowledgeable, but yet the one with the most podcasting experience and the one who started all of this. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, cheers, Steve. All right. You really made this a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. All yeah. right, Paul. So, do you want to plug some stuff that you're on at the minute, Steve? Because you mentioned in all your podcast experience, what are you doing? Yeah, I did a, I did a pick a flick, which is on um, pick a flicks, pick a flick. I kept getting it wrong. <laughs> I think I got told it's pick a flick, not pick a flicks. Yeah, I kept getting it wrong. I keep, I keep calling it pick a flicks now, mm. just it's, intentionally. But it's just, it's just pick a flick. There's, even though you talk about more than one film on it, so you are picking <laughs> flicks. Technically, I won't get into. If I, I did a pick a flick for, for, for Tony Black, and I've, there's another one as well that I've done that will be coming out later. And you're also going to be on uh, Black Hole Cinema at some point, Paul. I, I've got a long, long list of films to see. Mhm. What's on it? Um, I think there might be some. Uh, God, what's that? That Hunger Games. That's I think it. it Hunger earlier. Games. As you know, I'm a massive, massive oh, yeah. fan of the of the Hunger Games, um, and <laughs> else is on here. My other favourite, the the Danish girls on there, amazing. Uh, <laughs> like, I can't wait to talk about that one as well. I can't wait to hear you talk about that one. <laughs> They're not going to experience anything like you, are they? <laughs> yeah, this is a force to be reckoned with for Black Hole Cinema. Sorry in advance, Tony. You're, you're not sorry. <laughs> no. No. I don't know if I can say what I'm on this week as well, but um, I'm going to anyway. I've, I've been a guest at Wikishuffle HQ over the weekend in Kettering, which is... Blimey. I'm, yeah. I'm telling telling you what, I'd be great on Wikishuffle, but I'm not going to Kettering. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a long... I mean, for me, it's about an hour and a half, and it's really nice to hang out with them because they are as genuinely nice to be around in person as they seem like they are on the podcast. Did they try and touch you, I mean? Mm, it did get a bit fritzly. Yeah. I will say that. That yeah. Charmin fella. <laughs> yeah. Owns a, owns a panel van apparently with a dirty mattress in the back. That's all I'm saying. I did see that. Some weird stains on that. I decided not to question them. Um, he picked you up in his panel van. God, imagine having to sit in the back of that. Ooh. <laughs> Very musty. Oof. Yeah. I did watch the Leicester game with Jack though afterwards, and Jack is a big Leicester fan. That was a. I mean, you would expect for someone who, who supports a team that are currently top of the table that they would be really, like, uh, just have a big, massive smile on their face the whole game. I've never seen someone so nervous whilst watching a, their team play Watford. That is uh, <laughs> so tense. But, yeah, no, it was great to hang out with them. And I think my guest episode is coming out uh, this week, I think, on Friday. I shall look out for it. Okay, well, that is all for the Fail Critics this week. You can find the website and the podcast. Well, you know where to find the podcast. You listen to it, but the website is failedcritics.com. We're all on Twitter as well, uh, at Failed Critics. Um, so, yes, go and find us there and join us again next week for our 201st episode. <laughs> yeah. You div, Owen. The Failed Critics podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes. Created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. I'm not going to know what to do with the rest of my evening now because we usually finish about two hours later than this. So I'm just going to bed. Wait, well, uh, which is your um, gentleman's entertainment uh, choice website, Steve? Um, ten minute free view. Go old, <laughs> go old school tonight. Yeah, go retro. <laughs> Are we? Uh, I just flicked to Babe Station. Nice. I don't know. I don't even know if I actually do have Babe. Is Babe Station still like 
Oh, don't act like you don't know. He knows. I don't. He I've got knows. BTTV. I don't know what's on that anymore. Of course it does. Do... I'm going to go really, really old school tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got some numbers here. I've got, I'll bend over so you can see on 0898. <laughs> <laughs> what, the back of the daily sport? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Right, boys. That used to be my favourite thing about having a paper round on a Sunday. Just pushing all the day sports through. And having the quick flicks through them all. <laughs> and seeing which one on your street was a Perth. Yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 